Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. So good to see you, everybody. Good morning. Um, hey, thank you for being here live. Uh, there's a lot of other people that are in the camera on the other end. We see you. I don't see you, but you see me. I just want to acknowledge you. And we have people on the lawn. If you have young kids and they're getting a little squirrely, uh, you're welcome to go on the lawn and join our community out there. I need to cough, so I'm going to turn off my mic and cough. But uh, the ideal is that we make our way back together. The original word for church is ecclesia, uh, called out community. And the desire is that we be a community live in 3D. So thank you for coming back live in 3D. And for those of you, when you feel comfortable, take the step of faith, come back live in 3D. We're in a conversation for seven weeks uh, to equip and empower each one of us to be cross-cultural reconcilers. Our community culture is in a conversation that is uh, integrated, uh, the likes of which I haven't seen since 9-11. And we long to equip us, to equip you. I long to equip you as a body to be uh, kingdom agents in that conversation. We are men and women of reconciliation. And so to provide kingdom solutions to a cultural conversation, that's the heart of Be the Bridge. And it's stretching. It's stretching for me. But thank you that we can talk about this and be stretched as a family. Uh, I want to introduce somebody who really doesn't need an introduction, but I want to share with you. Uh, Thanks, bro. Um, From the start, uh, he and his wife, Jen, have been part of our community, and literally from the start, they have modeled a G4 lifestyle. We call that a commitment to gathering, growing, giving, and going. Before that was even had language, immediately when they came here, Glenn and Jen served in our college ministry. It was called the flip side back then. Uh, They've been very active in student ministries. Jen has just been such a shepherd for many young teenage girls. Thank you, Jen, for doing that that. Uh, They've gone on mission trips with us. Uh, Glenn served on our board for six years. Uh, Outside of this world, Glenn works in tech, and um, it's crazy Googling his name, how many patents he has. He hates that I say that, but uh, he just has a life outside of here as a disciple of Jesus disguised as an employee uh, at his company. So would you please give welcome to my friend, to our friend, Glenn Wong, our brother in Christ. I'm hugging you now. Glenn, thank you, first of all, and Jen, for serving here for so long. And um, there will be a picture that will come up of your family. But uh, I asked you to come up. You're an introvert at heart. I'm sorry. Hardcore. Hardcore. Okay. Um, and even worse than that, uh, or not worse than that, wow, um, <laughs> says the extrovert. Um, uh, but no, you're, you're up here to share, uh, I asked you to share based on our friendship, why does this conversation matter for you? As someone who's been uh, so involved here for 20 years, share with us why it matters that we have this conversation. Yeah, um, and it's, it's a pretty simple statement. It, it matters to me because I'm in the body. And that's, and that's the body at PCC. That's why it matters. And can, can I just jump in? In a 1 Corinthians 12 way, for those of us who know the scriptures, where it talks about the body, and if a member of the body is hurting, the whole body hurts. 
that should be enough. Okay, so thank you for saying that. Yeah. And in the conversation with, with everyone, the conversation, do you want some water? Oh, uh, the, the conversation impacts um, me and my family. So that's why it's important. Um, and I realize um, both on the receiving end that racism is hard. The definition of racism, everyone has their definition of what it is and it's all based off of someone's experience, right? Um, but it is, it's important to lean into the posture and to listen to the person next to you and listen to the story because I believe and I know that when we get to know one another, and again, this is a get, we're talking about racism and people's color. If we get to know their story, we'll become stronger. And when we become stronger, then we can actually impact the people outside of this wall. And for those of us in our groups, that's the journey of being the bridge. It starts with listening and lamenting what we hear. Um, this is a great picture. Um, context is, uh, say Gary tells me, or texts me, um, I need a picture of you, and don't, don't, don't think too deep in it. And I'm not a, I'm not a selfie person, so I just quickly gave him this image. Um, and you know, I, I've dealt with racism in my, in my life. Um, I, you know, I, my, I'm second generation. My parents' family immigrated here. I grew up in Oakland all my life. Um, and out of college, I ended up in downtown Palo Alto. Um, but what's interesting about this picture is, so my, my wife was gone for two weeks. Um, those of you guys who know my kids, I have three boys. It's a lot of energy, right? So I'm managing the house for two weeks. Um, and uh, um, Angie and Keith came by and gave us this wonderful dessert. And as they opened the door, they took the picture. Um, what you don't see in this picture is what happened after this. So that evening I went to a local store um, and I was actually told to go back to China. I was touching some food because, uh, and they said you're spreading COVID everywhere. And I looked at it and I'm like, I, I'm looking at the instructions because if you guys know my son, um, he has a severe peanut allergy. And then she walked away and said, go back to China. Um, I have been pointed at by little kids, and I'm not blaming the kids, I blame parents. I've been pointed at by little kids that I have COVID and they run from me as I'm doing conference calls in the neighborhood. Um, even in this body, and I'm not talking about the whole body, but even in this body, I have heard I do not believe in Black Lives Matter, and I'm not talking about any organization, I'm talking about a living being, I'm talking about a person. I don't believe in Black Lives Matter, but I believe in unborn, unborn Black Lives Matter. That's what I hear, my experience. And I've even heard, maybe God wants PCC to be all white. So how do I take this in, right? And Greg, 20 me, years. Can I just step in? In saying this, we're just trying to have a family conversation, right? Right. So I know Family's messy. Yes. So keep going. Yeah. And so, so for my experiment, experience, this is what I'm sitting in. And again, last year was horrible for me. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I sat in a lot of anger, 
a lot of anger and I was quiet. There were a lot of people that I just decided not to talk to because they don't understand where I'm coming from. I, even my friends here, I decided not to talk to them. I stopped returning texts. I stopped, um, I just went black, you know. I, I just went deep and decided not to talk to anyone because I was hurt. And I was hurt because of the silence of the body. No one is, is saying anything. No one's asking me how I'm doing. 20 years, six years on the board. Um, and I, I could just retreat back to Oakland where I'm from and I can talk to people who understand this. And that's what I ended up doing. But I also know that I can't live in darkness. I can't live in anger. Um, and I'd probably around January is where for me, the only path forward is actually to forgive. And that's a blanket statement for, for the body at large, the PCC body, you know, because I've been here so long and no one is, I'm not hearing anything. Um, and I'm tired, I'm really tired. Um, but I know that if I need a fruitful life, that I actually have to give it up to God, you know. And there was no walking around, if you guys have been in anger so long and disappointment, walking around in the maze of disappointment doesn't really get you anywhere except dead ends. And so giving that up to God, um, forgiving people, because that's the only way I can move forward. And then when, when Gary talked to me and, and a couple others, you know, they brought up this book. And the book for me basically meant hope. Like, you know, for 20 years, I'm actually a person in this body. Um, and, and, I, and I guess the, in closing, like what I want out of this um, is certainly based off of my experience last year that's based off of my personal experience, what I want for this church, this community, um, and what I need, not want, what I need um, in humility is I want the body that I've been a part of for 20 years. I want the body to realize that there is a whole other experience there's a whole other experience out of the majority. And we need to recognize that. And we need to sit by them, them meaning me and others, um, and just have a deeper understanding of our experience. Because this happens in Redwood City. You know, it's someone like me, it's my children, you know, someone assumed my son actually had, was gonna get COVID because he's part Chinese. Um, but, I, but I honestly know that, that when we get to know one another, when we actually empathize, right? We can be stronger as a church, we can be stronger in relationship, we can be stronger in a church, and it is there where we can actually be stronger as a whole base and actually impact 
the world outside of our walls. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for staying in, for being part of our family. And I like to pray. Yeah. yeah. Father, when there's a face and a name, um, this no longer becomes an issue. And we lament what our ears have heard. We confess um, silence. We thank you for our brother, our sister, and many others who have chosen not to walk away, but to stay in it, to believe, Jesus, what you called into existence, the ecclesia, the church, the bride, the radiant bride we talked about in the fall. We want to be radiant. We want to represent you. So, Father, thank you for giving our brother the courage. Thank you for sustaining him. We love you. We love him. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, you show your appreciation. Bible's open to Luke chapter 17, to Luke chapter 17. Today is hard, but on the other side of hard is God's best. Okay, I want you to remember that. We don't avoid hard because on the other side of hard is God's best. And we're talking about forgiveness on this journey. It starts with lament, and then it goes from lament to confession. We talked about that last week. Forgiveness, and then we'll get to repentance next week. Um, and this is an all play. You can't be in relationship without getting the tools to forgive. And no one should be a better forgiver than a follower of Christ. As a matter of fact, if you're not forgiving, you're not following. And we'll see that in the scriptures. Okay. So I want to ask from the start, since we're talking about hard, who is it for you? Who's betrayed you? Who's lied about you? Who's mistreated you? When even the mention of forgiveness, who comes to mind for you? Maybe it's a roommate who stole from you. Or for our students here, a kid at school who bullied you. Or a boyfriend who lied to you and then behind your back lied about you. Maybe it's a spouse you trusted and they betrayed your trust and crushed your heart. I say this very sensitively. I want to hold this space very tenderly because I know this is raw. We all have people in our lives that we're called to forgive. But the question I want to raise for us is why? Why does Jesus ask us to do this? And what's different about Christ followers than anyone else in our culture when it comes to forgiveness? In our Be the Bridge conversation, this means something, but in life, it means something as well. In Luke 17, Jesus was talking to his disciples. Look at verse 1. Jesus said to who? To his disciples. What did he say? 
things caused that caused people to stumble. The word there uh, in the original language wasn't written in, in English. The word in the original Bible language is scandalon. It's the word we get scandal from. Uh, in the Roman uh, Empire in the first century, scandalons were traps that were set to capture animals. And Jesus takes that word and says, that actually happens through sin with people. Traps are set that will crush your heart and kill your spirit. Okay? Jesus says, things that make people stumble are bound to come. Verse 3, he said, watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, look at this word, everybody, rebuke them. In other words, in the family of Christ, don't diminish it. Don't not talk about it. We don't do that. No healthy family chooses not to talk about things. Choose to bring it up with a heart of reconciliation. It's what we're trying to do here. If they repent, forgive them. And then Jesus says something really challenging, really challenging. And you can always tell in the words of Jesus when you read the gospel how challenging his teaching was by the response of the original hearers. Okay, so always look in the teaching of Jesus for how people responded, and you'll see how challenging it is. He says this, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, which means at least six times they didn't. You must forgive them. And the disciples hearing that perhaps are thinking the same thing you and I would think and maybe are thinking. <laughs> Seven times in a day? I'll give them one time a week. I'm not giving them two times a month three times a year. I'm certainly not giving them seven times in a year. They commit the same offense. They say, oh, I've repented. Forgive me. No way, Jesus. Now look at the response to Jesus' standard. Look what verse 5 says. The apostles said to the Lord, what, church? Three words. Come on, open book, test. One more time. Increase our faith. In other words, Jesus, man, we don't have enough faith in you to live into that standard. Jesus, we don't have what it takes to be the people you want us to be. And so we need from you something we don't have in ourselves. If that's the standard, give me trust. Give me what I lack. This message is going to be painful for some, but my prayer has, is that it will be liberating for us all and lead to unity because unequivocally, Across the board, God calls every follower of his to be a forgiver. Where do we see this? If you're taking notes, it's also online. You can see this in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, verse 43 to 44. Look at the words of Jesus. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. In other words, love the people who are nice to you. Hate, or our word for hate today is called cancel. Cancel the people who are mean to you. But, verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Lord, increase our faith. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, interpreting the words of Jesus, the apostle Paul said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Lord, increase our faith. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. 
For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Lord, increase our faith. If we're not forgiving, we're not following. God clearly tells us to forgive. We have to. And I'm not being trite. I'm not trying to be trite. And I'm not saying this is going to be easy. But this is difficult. It's hard. I would even say Jesus standard. It's humanly impossible. But on the other side of hard, you are going to discover God's best. Latasha Morrison, the author of Be the Bridge, from her book says this, we've been hurt when we've been hurt, when we've been battered. Sometimes anger and bitterness gives us a sense of control. Thank you for authentically sharing that experience, Glenn. But the truth is our bitterness and anger often control us. They keep our perpetrators, this is so wise, close at hand. They keep the wrongs they've done in front of our minds. In choosing bitterness and anger, Morrison says, we hand power back over to those who've harmed us. That's true whether we're discussing family pains, church pains, or the pains wrought by racism, classism, sexism. And then she asks the question I want to answer for the rest of our time together. How do we get free of that power? Through forgiveness through forgiveness. So let's start with this question. I'm just going to ask three questions for the rest of our time. Here's the first. Why does God want us to forgive? Why does God want us to forgive? God doesn't ask us to forgive for the sake of the person who sinned against us. Very, very important. God asks us to forgive for our sake, that we would be set free. Doesn't mean this is going to be easy. See, faith enables us to see freedom where others only see an offense. I'm going to say that again. Faith enables us to see freedom when others are only fixated on an offense. It's what distinguishes followers of Christ. And this changes the question. The question is no longer how much forgiveness do they deserve. We'll talk about that. The question Jesus followers should ask is this. Please don't miss this. How much freedom do I desire? How much freedom do I desire? Again, back to Morrison, be the bridge. She says, I am hard pressed to come up with anything that has brought me more peace, freedom, and long-term joy than choosing forgiveness. Forgiveness is a healing balm. It's the way to freedom. It's the way to peace. Second question, before we get to what forgiveness is, let's talk about what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness, friends, isn't forgetting. It isn't forgetting. To forgive is not saying an offense never happened. It's not sweeping it under the rug. Uh, you don't have to follow them anymore on social media. People you need to forgive. You don't need to put heart emojis just to let them know we're still good. That is not forgiveness. As a matter of fact, forgiveness always counts the cost. To sin against someone is to steal from them. It's to steal something very sacred. And, and those of us, everyone knows we have to forgive, right? We've all had things, relationships, or, or other things stolen from us. I know the room, and I'm, I'm talking very humbly and gently here trying to hold this because many of you, some of you especially, have had people stolen from you, time stolen from you. 
reputation stolen from you. And I want to say this very humbly. You'll never get it back. You'll never get it back. And forgiveness doesn't diminish what was stolen. It's really important. Uh, it doesn't forget what was stolen. Forgiveness takes people off our hook and puts them on God's hook. Do I have everyone's attention? God is a perfect accountant. Every sin you and I have ever committed, God hasn't forgotten one of them. Because if God can forget our sin, he can forget our salvation. He can forget all the promises of what he chose to give us in Christ. God doesn't forget, don't miss this, he chooses not to remember. He puts him in a place where if you're in Christ, he won't access those sins anymore. Sin steals from you. God paid the price for what was stolen in humanity. Behold the cross. Behold the cross. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far, it doesn't say, look at the verse, everybody. It doesn't say he's forgotten. No, he's removed our transgressions from us. So I told you God's a perfect accountant, and each one of us will stand before that holy God whose standard is perfection and give an account before the perfect moral accountant for every wrongdoing we've ever done. And let me remind you, one offense against an eternal holy God, I don't say this, I, I, I wish I could just at this point come alongside every person because I'm not trying to be, you know, bully you with this. I'm warning us all, every account, every offense against an eternal holy God uh, factors in an eternal holy separation from him forever. And all of us have made more than one offense against that holy God. And his perfect accounting was ratified or justified on the cross through his son, Jesus. And it's why we gather to worship Jesus. It's why we pray for our neighbors to know Jesus. Because we want everybody not to face God and have to give an account for their one and only life, multiple offenses against the holy God. So God doesn't forget our sins. When I stand before God as a follower of Christ, God's not going to say, oh, I, I don't remember. Did you ever sin, Gideoni? No. He remembered every one of my sins on the cross. Am I making sense? Just tell me yes. Okay. Thank you. You could say no, and I would just keep going. But <laughs> forgiveness isn't forgetting. That's important. It doesn't belittle what was stolen from you. Okay. Secondly, forgiveness isn't fair. There's nothing fair about forgiveness. Paybacks are fair. Uh, you hit me on the cheek, I hit you back is fair. Now, fair is when Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Great. I'm going to pray my enemies get athlete's foot all over their body for the rest of their lives. That's fair, right? We often say, I want fair. But for a moment, can we thank God that he's not fair with us? God is just but he's not fair. Psalm 103, let's just expand that passage a little bit. Look what it says in verse 10. Look at this, everybody. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Can I get an amen? 
doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our inequities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, his love is so great for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness isn't fair. What is forgiveness? Here we go. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave you. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave you, offering others the same grace that God has given you. For those of us who identify as followers of Christ, have we not been forgiven of many things? Have we not experienced grace we don't deserve? Have we not been the beneficiary of the mercy and the goodness of God? I'll keep asking until you say amen. Have we not been given all that? Can I get an amen, please? Amen, right? I can't speak for you. I was reading the Sermon on the Mount this week and thinking, according to Jesus' standard, I think I've broken all 10 of the 10 commandments. And that horrifies me. But I've been forgiven of so much. And forgiveness is just passing on to others what God has given to me. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, someone say sin, Sorry, I just want back and forth. Sin, we don't hear that a lot in our culture, right? The worse we get um, out of San Jose, and I want to be careful because, again, someone in our body actually works in the VTA, and we're praying for them. But the worse we get is senseless. Senseless is a cultural word for sinful. The Bible calls it what it is. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Sin is a, a archery term. Maybe you know this, where in the Roman Empire, they would shoot an arrow and anything that didn't hit the bullseye perfection was called sin. Uh, it's a word that means anything short or outside the perfect standard. And we've all done it. And so forgiveness is offering to others what God has given to us. Forgiveness just doesn't flow to us. Everything God's given to you, he wants to flow through you. That's the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. Everything he gives to you, he wants to flow through you. That's why Jesus would say on the Sermon on the Mount, forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. See how he ties them together? I just don't want to live in your forgiveness. I want it to flow through me. So Jesus asks us to forgive as I lay on the plane. There's many reasons, but forgiveness brings freedom. Forgiveness brings freedom. I hope there's no part of you that hears me say this is easy. And what's easy is to hold a grudge. And what's easy is to continue to plot. What's easy is to continually rehearse what was stolen from you. What's easy is to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness. But PCC, it takes faith to forgive. Because faith enables me to see an opportunity for freedom where others only see an opportunity for offense. Faith doesn't mean you feel like forgiving but I know you, you've never allowed feelings to be the limits of your obedience. We walk by faith, not by feelings. So how much forgiveness do they deserve? Oh gosh, 
actually the wrong question. Friends, the right question is, how much freedom do you desire? How much freedom do you desire? So my challenge for us as I close in prayer and shepherd us in prayer in the, about, for about three minutes is for us to sit in this conversation and ask, what am I holding on to? You guys remember the first message I gave on this series and talking about going to a mission trip and uh, my youth pastor said to me as a college student, put all your rights in your hands and let it go. I want to say that tenderly to us. Everything that was stolen from you, every hurt that you're holding, put it in your hands and let it go. For your freedom, for your flourishing, let it go. And in our Be the Bridge conversation, as you think through and do a moral inventory, Oh, confession, forgiveness go together. If there are areas in your past where you participated in jokes or actions or in any way have belittled someone who bears God's image because of some outward appearance or behavior, if any way you are complicit in a system or a subculture that promoted belittling someone because of their ethnicity or because of their status, in our country and how they got here. I want to invite you to go before the Holy Spirit, the God who's forgiven you, the God who went to a cross and became that for you, and confess it to him. Forgive. Ask him to forgive you. And if you've been on the victim side of this, as Glenn modeled for, this, for us, I want to invite you to go before the Lord with that incredible pain and forgive. Not because it's easy, it's hard, it's impossible, but Jesus will meet you there. And on the other side of hard is God's best. Thank you for letting us have the conversation. Thanks for being that kind of family. Let's pray. Let me shepherd us in prayer. You're sitting here and you're watching online or you're outside. And this whole message, you've been thinking about how you've been sinned against. And I want to invite you to take a step of faith to forgive. Again, even if you don't feel like it. Or maybe you took that step of faith, you did forgive, but you need to remind your emotions of the, what your spirit did in choosing to forgive. You know it's the right thing to do. But you would say with the disciples in Luke 17, increase my faith. Renew my heart again. Help me to trust you, Lord. Maybe others of you feel the weight of something you've done, someone you've hurt, someone you betrayed. The Holy Spirit's been convicting you this whole message, something you said or shouldn't have said, something you did or didn't do. As Glenn brought to our attention, maybe you've been silent for too long and you've been afraid of the hard. And in doing that, you've let someone down. You feel like you've let God down. You've sinned against God. You feel it. If you feel that, I want to invite you to a time of confession.
agree with God. That was wrong. I am forgiven because of Jesus. And listen to me in these last few minutes, because I want to say something as clearly as I can. And it's good news, actually. It's called the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus, born of a virgin. Jesus, who never sinned, who is perfect in every way. He sent his son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish. You don't need to fear facing God, the perfect accountant but you can receive eternal life. Jesus gave his life on a cross for our sins and God raised him from the dead. His death created the justice we need. In a week, we're in our area, we're reeling from a senseless killing. We celebrate today the senseless killing of our savior, Jesus, because through his death, we have life. And I simply want to say to all of us, if you call on the name of Jesus, if you give him what you know of him, what you know of yourself, if you hand that over to him as far as the east is from the west, he will forgive you. If you would say, I need your grace, I want your forgiveness, and today I'm turning from my sin towards you, Jesus. I'm giving my life to you. Lord Jesus, make us the people you want us to be. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see with your vision. Lord, this is hard. Increase our faith. Increase our trust. We want to be the cross-cultural reconcilers in our own community and equipped to reach a city with the hope of the gospel. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for us so that we can be forgiven. May your forgiveness not just flow to us, but flow through us. We pray this in your name. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.